Hello, and welcome to episode 559 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. Today, we have a very, very special guest. This is a young man who is actually the identical twin to Brian Dable, a young man who came on this show last year and implored, begged everyone to take Justin Jefferson, Offensive Player of the Year, 30 to 1. Shout out to him. It is indeed our awards market grinder, Ryan Reynolds of ETR and the 33rd team. Ryan, Dable, how's it going? Good, man. Thank you for donning me as the Giants head football coach's doppelganger. And as always, guys, I look forward to my annual stop on the Evan and Adam show. Yes, Dayball did come home with coach of the year. We'll get to that market a little bit later. Evan, how's it going today? It's going great. And, you know, Ryan, I don't think anybody has a keener sense of the awards market than Ryan Reynolds. Um, I just listened to whatever he says, and I just bet it all. Uh, and that worked out real, real well with Justin Jefferson. I think I got that on multiple times last year for OPOY. Hopefully, he, Ryan can make us some money again this year. All right. On today's show, we are going to talk about, yes, awards betting. It really is one of my favorite topics. It's just an incredibly soft market. And it, you have to be willing to tie up money for a while. So there's some you know cost of capital there. But it's not too hard to build a strong portfolio. If you shop for lines, there are some wild discrepancies across markets. We'll talk about that. A little bit. It's just far softer than normal markets. That's the bottom line. And also, you can get some long shots in as well, which I know that people love and is always fun. Before we get into it here today, reminder that the PGA Championship Golf's second major starts on Thursday. Our projections will be live Wednesday. You can check out the full content schedule on the site. Also, reminder if you're playing DFS golf or any other sport, the best optimizer by far is the Solver. ETR subscribers who add on the Solver get our projections auto-synced into the software so you can build optimal lineups from there based on any rules or settings you would like. Check out the solver. All right, let's get into it here with the MVP, Ryan. And, and MVP is not a market lately in the last, I don't know, two, three years that I have been too keen to attack because I feel like the books know what's up now. Like they were so dumb before listing running backs and wide receivers. Now they know a quarterback is going to win and it's going to be on a quarterback on a team that wins 12 or more games, you know, likely more than 12 games. So there just aren't that many guys who fit that criteria. And therefore it's hard to find good value in the MVP market. In my opinion, I do have some ideas we can talk about, but generally Ryan, what do you think about the MVP market? Yeah, I'm with you all the way there. From an odd standpoint, there's nothing that really is appealing to me. You know, and I'll go through each conference real quick just to show you where my, where my head's on this. In the AFC, the AFC is just loaded with premium quarterbacks there's a number of teams that could actually contend for the top seed in the conference, which is important for this race. I think if I was going to put money on one, it would be Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be extended soon. T Higgins is either going to get paid or he's going to move on. They're going to have to pay Jamar Chase soon. So his supporting cast, this might be his best supporting cast for the rest of his career, potentially. So I think he has, he has an obvious path. He's a co-favorite with Patrick Mahomes in a number of markets. I don't really want to bet on him, but I think if I was going to pick an AFC quarterback, it would be him. And the NFC, Last year, I bet on Trey Lance, Jalen Hurts, and Kirk Cousins in the NFC because there was a you know the top seed in the conference. There was a wide, wider open path for that. Mm -hmm. I'm not there's there's no big long shots there this year, but I think Dak Prescott's a solid value bet at 25 to one on Caesars. I don't think any of us are super enthusiastic about Mike McCarthy taking over play calling duties. So the production ceiling's a little bit concerning, but I I think from an odds perspective, he might actually be my favorite play in the MVP market. You know, I, I think 
the NFC stuff is interesting. And that was one of the reasons that, you know, last year I was on Jalen Hurts MVP. That's why I was on Dan Campbell coach of the year, because the NFC is so much softer. You can come from way behind in the NFC and surprise a ton of people. I think the DAC call is interesting. One that I, I thought, you know, as I think through this market, I was like, man, 49ers are going to have a very, very good team, regardless of who's quarterback. The problem is that like, even if, you like Brock Purdy, right? Even if Brock Purdy's healthy, let's say Brock Purdy's healthy. The Niners go 14 and three. He's the quarterback the entire time. He's not going to get MVP. I don't think he won't get the credit. The credit will go to Kyle Shanahan, the defense, the scheme, I, you know, 75 to one on Brock Purdy. I don't even think is enough. And so I, I like the Dak call at uh, 25 to one. I, there's not a lot else out there. I thought Geno Smith at 45 to one and Derek Carr at 45 to one were worth at least mentioning, but I would not, Bet those, I do think those teams will outperform expectation, but I don't think they're going to be elite enough to actually win the MVP award. Remember, last year, Jalen Hurts had an absolutely incredible, incredible, incredible year. Eagles had incredible, and he still didn't win it. And I'm not saying, and, and I, I'm not even saying that he should or shouldn't have. Patrick Mahomes had an outrageous year without Tyreek Hill, but it's just so hard to win this award. I mean, Jalen Hurts did just about everything he could possibly do, and he still didn't get it. Evan, any thoughts on this year's? MVP market. Yeah, I was going to bring up Geno Smith at, I don't know where it depends where you look, but 35 to 1, 45 to 1. Yeah. <clears throat> Tyler Lockett is back. DK Metcalf, I think, is better than he showed last year, actually. Geno Smith, and, and now they acted, they added uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. In last year's draft, they added their bookend tackles, Abe Lucas and Charles Cross. They've got a good offensive line. They've got two or three really good running backs. They've got. Maybe the best three receiver set in the NFL. Last year, they were top nine in scoring. I think they could even get higher than that based on the additions that they've made. And Geno Smith, you know, I think he entered the league as sort of like an, you know, a little bit immature. And that's kind of reason that he fell in the draft and it took him forever to, to get started. And then last year, it was like, is he ever going to slow down? You know, it was week six. Is he going to slow down? No, week eight, week 10, week 14. He played well all season, and now he has better weapons cast around him. So, um, and and his second year, second full year as the starter in this offense. So, um, I don't know. I really like Geno Smith as a as a long shot. Yeah, and I, I took some Seahawks to win that division. I forget the number that I got, um, but it was you know three fifty or four hundred or something like that. I definitely think that's that's super live. Geno was going to have to win 13, 14, 15 games, I think, for him to be in the conversation here. You're asking a lot, but I would just encourage people to, when you're thinking about MVP, it's a quarterback and someone that's going to win 13, 14, 15 games, period. And so, even then, that still might not be enough, AK Jalen Hurts. And I wanted to ask a question to Ryan about this. So um, I've seen like the PFF analysts, you know, they try to use like advanced metrics to uh, and, you know, analytical metrics in order to project who the MVP winner might be. And historically, you know, quarterbacks with who produce a lot of EPA expected or uh, 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 points added, their points added metric, um, that's how they project who's going to win MVP. My approach, and I've argued with them about this, is to try to get in the minds of the voters because, you know, there's 50 guys and, and gals voting on on these awards and you're trying to get in their mind that that's the that's my approach um i don't know how do you think about it ryan that's exactly how i think about it you know who we think is going to win mvp doesn't matter at all it's whose voters going to vote for that's the same across all awards markets and over at the 33rd team this summer i'm going to do what i can to try to maybe interview one of the voters on this 
on this award to see to see how they approach these these things. So I'm with you there, man. All right. Let's go to offensive player of the year. This was the big hit last year, 30 to 1 on Justin Jefferson. Typically, and and uh this award goes to non-quarterbacks these days. Not always, but typically. I think that there is definitely some long shots to think about here because this is kind of like a fantasy-esque award. So this is kind of like in our wheelhouse, start thinking about range of outcomes for guys like Tony Pollard at 50 to one range of outcomes for guys like Nick Chubb at 40 to one. Like those were really interesting to me, Ryan, how do you think generally about offensive player of the year? Then what do you think about this year? Yeah, I'm with you there. I treat this as I'm going to bet on my favorite skill position player award last four years, three, three of the winners have been wide receivers. The other one was a running back. So like you said, quarterbacks do sometimes win this award, but it seems to be trending more as a skill position award. For me, I was very unhappy with Jamar Chase's opening ADP on underdog in February. Him going second was, I was very, very unhappy about that, which, because I also knew his, his odds in this market were going to be limited at best. And, you know, you can get him at 14 to one right now in FanDuel. He's, I think he's going to win this, but again, I'm not super enthusiastic about betting at someone at 14 to one in the season long award in May. That said, I think there's a good underdog bet here. CD Lamb, 60 to one. I, you know, he was top 10 in pretty much every relevant production me- metric for wide receivers last year and plays for the national brand of the Dallas Cowboys. I think there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, I, I think CD at 60 to one is interesting. I also would not take 14 to one at this point. There's so much that can happen over the course of a season delay. And I know 14 to one doesn't sound like short odds, but in this market, those are short odds. I agree with Ryan. 60 to one on FanDuel for CD is a good long shot. Let me just make the case for Nick Chubb here real quick. They do not have Kareem Hunt re-signed yet. Nick Chubb has been the most efficient running back, arguably in NFL history through his career. I mean, absolutely outrageous efficiency in terms of yards per carry, in terms of touchdown rate. Now he gets this backfield mostly to himself for now, at least Deshaun Watson, another year in the scheme. Very good offensive line play once again. And like, yeah, I think the Browns have a chance to outperform and nobody wants to talk about it because nobody wants to say positive things about Deshaun Watson, A, all the off-field stuff. B, he was absolutely horrific last year. But man, Browns could actually surprise a lot of people. So 40 to one on Nick Chubb would probably be my favorite here. And then my second favorite would be Tony Pollard, 50 to one. I still think Dallas is going to add someone, some big back probably to play ahead of Ronald Jones. But either way, I mean, it is not crazy to think Tony Pollard can get to 16, 17, 1800 total yards from scrimmage. And I think that's probably enough to at least be in the conversation. So 50 to one on Tony Pollard, uh, I think it's interesting. Evan, any thoughts on offensive player of the year? Well, I will say that as I was doing my top 150 and we're about to record a podcast covering that right after this, that'll be out very soon. I cannot get Nick Chubb hot. Like I couldn't get him high enough. I mean, you look at his situation, look at how the Browns have built up their defense. I think they're a top 10 roster in the NFL. That's going to contribute to uh, running back friendly game scripts. And he's got the backfield like all to himself right now. They've got a great running scheme. I like their offensive line. And as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson, I mean, like the arrow can only go up from how he performed last year. So I think the Browns have a chance to be really good. I saw somebody the other day predicting that the Browns would finish fourth in the division. I was like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. um, The Browns have a chance to be really, really good, and he has a chance to be their offensive centerpiece. So I really like that suggestion, and he's a guy that I think I'm going to be drafting a lot of this year. 
Whereas in years past, because of his shortage of passing game involvement, because of the fact that he's he's really never been like a 20, 25 carry per game workhorse. I think he could be that this year. I think he's the favorite to lead the NFL in rushing. I mean, I love that call. Yeah, Nick Chubb for sure. And I do think that like his pass game role did expand a little bit last year. He caught 27 balls, including five receptions in the final game. He also had another three reception game from Deshaun Watson mixed in there. So like he's not dead to contribute in the past game. I don't think they just have not used him there very much lately. Let's go to defensive player of the year. Shout out Penn State. I know Ryan likes Micah Parsons here. Who doesn't like Micah Parsons? Dude is an absolute beast. Ryan, how do you think generally about defense player of the year? I think typically, not always, and I know that there's been some cornerbacks that have gotten mixed in there, but typically it's pass rushers. Yeah, it's pass rushers for a contending team, generally speaking. Um, it's it's more or less the MVP for defensive players. And like you said, Micah Parsons is my favorite option. He's a co-favorite with Miles Garrett. He's he's already probably the biggest defensive star in the league, is at least right in the top three. He's moving full-time to defensive end this year, so he's going to get more ripped as a pass rusher. Cowboys have gone 12-5 and five in back-to-back years. Checks off every box. I expect him to probably be a little bit below plus 500 before opening day. That said, I have two interesting long shots that I think are underpriced. Joey Bosa on the Chargers at 50-1 to one, and Bradley Chubb from the Dolphins at 100-1. to one. Both of these guys were top five picks, pass rushers on contending teams. I'd have their odds half of where they are if I was an odds maker. Yeah, and I, I think that those are both very good calls on excellent pass rushers on good teams at really long odds. Evan, any defensive player that your thoughts? I think that Jalen Ramsey uh, is somewhat interesting. I, I'll tell you what, though. What do you think about DBs versus pass rushers, though? Because yeah, I feel like the, the, the DBs just they – don't, they don't get there as often. Exactly. It, yeah. it, is, it is rare for a cornerback uh, or safety yeah. to win defensive player of the year. Not impossible, but rare. Yeah, I think I, I feel like they're going to defer to the pass rushers. I don't know. I, I might even cross a lot of DBs so, off the list. The the last one to win it was Stephon Gilmore in 2019 when he had that outrageous number of interceptions. Other than that, it's been Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Cleo Mack, JJ Watt, JJ Watt, Luke Keekley, JJ Watt, Terrell Suggs. And then you get back to 2010, Troy Palomalu, Charles Woodson. Those were the last DBs to get in. And there. you remember when Trayvon Diggs had that massive interception year? I, actually, I think Ryan was on him. That went, and he almost won, but he didn't. Yeah, I sure was. Yep. All right. Let's move on to my favorite awards market, Coach of the Year. This is a wild market every year because, like, halfway point last year, or even three quarters of the way through, how could you think that it doesn't go to Nick Sirianni? Like, they were, <laughs> they were undefeated for a long time. And then he just gets caught at the end by Brian Dable. It, it's like the way to think about this award is what is the least talented team that's going to win the most games, right? And the Eagles were just too talented for Sirianni to end out winning the award. Um, I was all in last year on Dan Campbell. I had so much on Dan Campbell, 60 to one. I was like, ah, God, and now he's the favorite. I mean, just to, just to stick the needle in me even harder, this year they open him up at plus 850 as the favorite. I will not be taking Dan Campbell at plus 850. But anyways, Ryan, what do you think about coach of the year? Yeah, this is a wild race. I generally treat it as, you know, it's an exceeds expectations award. But one thing I'll add for our listeners here is there's huge swings in this market late in the year, more than any other race. Like someone can be 40 to one in week 15 and end up being three to one and getting into the final week. That said, what I look for at this point is I look for teams that finished below 500 that got better or have an easy schedule, ideally both. 
I bet on Matt Epperflus a few weeks ago for that reason. I think the Bears got better. I think they have sneaky wild card potential. But he's he's I got him at eighteen to one. He's twelve to one now. So we don't like bad lines here, so we can't do that now. That said, I do like Arthur Smith. He's twenty five to one right now. I think he should be right in that twelve to one cluster in like the top five favorites in this race. Atlanta was sub five hundred last year. They're in the most winnable division in the league. They improved their roster significantly this offseason. I also like Sean Payton a little bit, but not at his current price. And I think we should keep our eye on Dennis Allen too for the same reasons we're thinking about Arthur Smith. Yeah, I, I like Arthur Smith, man. And I don't like Arthur Smith, obviously, as a as a fantasy coach, but I think right. the Falcons are going to win a lot of games this year. I, I really do think the Falcons are going to win nine or 10 games this year. Maybe that's not enough for him to win the award, but uh, it at least put him in the conversation. There was, I saw uh, Arthur Smith down to like 16, 15 to one in some spots. That 25 to one is on DK. I doubt that lasts long on Arthur Smith. Evan, any thoughts on coach of the year? Yeah, it's hilarious that Andy Reid, the returning Super Bowl coach, has the longest odds of any coach to win NFL Coach of the Year. Yeah, at fifty to one, that's kind of wild. Um, at the same time, like I don't think I'd bet it. Nope. Because he's not hitting the criteria that we're talking about here. Um, Doug Peterson, you know, the Jaguars were—I mean, they were pretty decent last year. You know, they snuck into the playoffs. I think he actually kind of made a little bit of a run at the end for Coach yeah. of the Year consideration. 22 to one on DraftKings. I think he's really liked by the media. And I think that the Jaguars have a chance to take a pretty sizable leap. Their pass catcher core looks a lot, lot better with Calvin Ridley in there. Second year with Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk, they really riffed in their first season together. Uh, their defense, I think the arrow was pointing up on their defense. Um, so I, I, I kind of like Doug Peterson, 22 to one. I actually wrote that one down also. My only hesitation is that everybody thinks the Jaguars are going to be good. I mean, the Jaguars mm -hmm. are like the seventh choice to come out of the AFC. They're ahead of the Chargers. They're ahead of the Browns. So people think the Jaguars are going to be good. I think that'll work against Doug Peterson, but it's still the Jaguars. There is such a stigma around the Jaguars. And so I do think Doug Peterson is live. I think that 22 to one is definitely in play on him. Offensive rookie of the year is a market. I've actually taken a few things in already. I think I mentioned during the draft that uh, as soon as Atlanta took Bijan, I took him at five. To one, there's just no way that number doesn't go down. I think it's already down to plus 350 or something like that uh, before week one. I bet it goes even lower than that. I also took a long shot on Devon A-Chain at 40 to one and Kendra Miller at 100 to one. There's a lot of names here, though, offensive rookie of the year. If you eliminate Bijan, if you think Bijan is not it, you can get some really good numbers across the board. Ryan, how are you thinking about offensive rookie of the year? And by the way, all positions are in play here, like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, like everyone's in play for offensive rookie of the year. This race reminds me a bit of the 2018 race that Saquon Barkley won. You have the premium running back at the top that's going to be the favorite. Then you also have three quarterbacks that were taken within the first four picks. I think if Anthony Richardson starts early in the year, he's probably the most dangerous out of that group just from a production standpoint. Then, you know, you have Jameer Gibbs, who was taken 12th overall. Detroit is a premium offensive line. You know, we're looking, we're looking at a playoff team there. It's just a question of what kind of role does he have. And then you have JSN, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, all first-round pick wide receivers that went to quality offenses with good quarterbacks where they're going to be secondary options. So I like your long shot bets. They're very interesting, especially Miller. That's He shouldn't be 100-1 to one at all. But right. they do have a lot of guys a lot that they need to jump. Yeah, and he's not 100-1 to one anymore. I mean, I tweeted about it, and that that kind of cratered the line. Let me see if I can figure find where he is now. Yeah, he's down to 40-1 to one or 33-1 to one now. And so that's like – an egregious bet. Kendrick Miller at 41 or 33 to one. I, you know, I made my case for Kendrick Miller on, on Twitter and I'll reiterate here that saints are the 
favored to win the NFC South. Alvin Kamara has suspension looming over him. And the usage down the stretch last year was weird. And I just don't think Jamal Williams is very good at things. I mean, he's fine, but he's not like special in anything at all. And so I thought Kendra Miller at 100 to 1 was good. At 40 to 1, uh, I would not be taking Kendra Miller. Evan, anybody catch your eye for offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, I already jumped on Devin A. Chain early. Um, it looks like he's down to 35 to 1 on DraftKings. Just, I think you could go a lot of ways with this. Ryan Reynolds put in, <clears throat> in our little show sheet that he was on potentially Jonathan Mingo. And Jonathan Mingo could be Bryce Young's number one receiver right out of the gate. He's 65 to one on DraftKings. I mean, I think that that's worth a sprinkle. Um, and then um, uh, Rasheed Rice, who I don't know, everybody seems to hate because they just think he's the next McCole Hardman, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And But I, I think he's better than that. And Patrick Mahomes loves him. And there's there's like a an easy pathway for Rushy Rice to be a starter week one for the Chiefs, I think. Uh, this is just, I know Evan doesn't want to hear this. This is a uh, prime example of how soft this market is and how shopping can help. From what I'm seeing here, Rasheed Rice is 35 to one on DraftKings to be offensive rookie of the year. 66 to one on Caesars to be offensive rookie of the year so i would not be taking rasheed rice at 35 to 1 at 66 to 1 i would be evan will make fun of me for being a nerd and having money on 20 different sports books and (laughs) and all the time but i like money evan evan hates money and i I guess we're i guess we're just not gonna we're just gonna totally gloss over michael mayer at 40 to 1 well i see dalton kincaid at 35 to 1 i would rather take dalton kincaid 35 to 1 than michael mayer 40 to 1 okay All right, defensive rookie of the year. So this was one I actually hit on last year, you know, not before the season, but it was just so obvious, maybe like week 10, that Sauce Gardner was not just having a good year for a rookie. Sauce Gardner was having one of the best seasons of any cornerback in the entire league. I tweeted this, and the Seahawks people, the Tariq Woolen people, you would have thought that I murdered their mother. I mean, the Tariq Woolen people were so angry about my Sauce Gardner tweet. Anyways, I got it at like plus 100 or plus 125 or something like that. Ended up coasting to a win there. So again, it can be any position, cornerback, pass rusher, really anything. Ryan, how do you think about defensive rookie of the year? Yeah, usually pass rushers have an edge. Like I'd say if we're going to do it in percentages, it's 60% pass rusher, 20% linebacker, 20% corner. And, you know, like you said, Sauce had such a good year that Aiden Hutchinson had nine and a half sacks and three interceptions, and he didn't win, and he shouldn't have. Yeah. You know, so this year, what I'm looking at, I I have a cluster of four guys. Will Anderson, obviously, you have to pay attention to him. My concern there is he's the only real pass rusher the Texans have, so team's going to be able to game plan for him pretty much every week. Jalen Carter, I mean, the league needs to stop allowing the Eagles to get guys like this, you know, but defensive tackles, they usually can't be productive enough to get to this, to to win this award, but he's in a position where, I wouldn't rule him out. Tyree Wilson's interesting. He's not, unlike Will Anderson, Max Cross could be going to demand the most of the attention from opponents. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure he gets like flirts with 10 sacks, however. So, but still, he's on my radar. And Jack Campbell with the Lions, assuming he starts on opening day, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're all thinking that. Him at 18 to 1, 25 to 1, I think he's a little underpriced. I might actually end up betting him after this show's over. Interesting. Yeah. I- I do think that the Lions defense will be better, but not good. Um, right. one, one that I think some value in this market, I actually think that Jalen Carter would be a throw out for me, plays defensive tackle and going to be in a pretty heavy rotation. It's just hard for me to see him putting up enough stats to win 
the award. And so he's one of the favorites. He's actually a co-favorite on a lot of sites with, with Will Anderson is Jalen Carter. So yeah, I think there's some value here. If, if you have a read on some guys, Evan, any thoughts on defensive rookie of the year? Just looking through some of the long shots, Derek Hall is a long shot. He's 50 to one on DraftKings. Like I'm sure you can probably get him at longer odds somewhere else. Okay. Nope, that, I, I, DraftKings has the best price. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> um, the Seahawks took him. All right. So we talked about this, I think, after day one of the draft that the Seahawks have built up their secondary and they just need guys who can rush the quarterback. Um, and that's what they did very early on day two. They took Derek Hall ahead of some more highly touted pass rushers. I mean, Isaiah Foskey, um, BJ Ojolari, um, Keon White, who a lot, of, a lot of people thought was going to be a first round pick. And I think that Derek Hall is going to step right in as a starting edge player for Seattle um, on a team that like needs a guy who can get after the passer. So if this guy can somehow, and I, and I also think that the Seahawks can be good um, and he's going to have support on that back end because of how well they built up their secondary. So um, I think that him as a long shot, Derek Hall out of Auburn edge rusher for Seattle. Okay. Interesting. Final market I want to talk about is comeback player of the year. And this is so interesting because it all centers around the DeMar Hamlin situation. On DraftKings, they have made DeMar Hamlin minus 650 to be the comeback player of the year. In my opinion, that is an absolutely egregious line. We don't know for sure that DeMar Hamlin's going to come back and play. We don't know for sure he's going to play the whole season. We don't know he's going to play well. We don't know he's going to be a rotation player. We, we don't know a lot. To, minus 650 is so absurd. This is minus 150 on Caesars. And so I think the better place to bet this market is on DraftKings because the 650 is so egregious. 25 to one on Russell Wilson, 25 to one on Cooper Cup, 25 to one on Tua Tagovailoa, 30 to one on Matthew Stafford, 35 to one on Brees Hall, 51 on DeAndre Swift, 51 on Sam Darnold. I, I could keep going and you get incredible prices on all these guys because of how inflated this DeMar Hamlin price is. So this is a really unique situation here i don't have any specific takes on exactly what tomorrow hamlin's status is if he's going to play how well he's going to play etc but i do have takes on some of these other guys who should at least be in play ryan what do you think about comeback player of the year yeah not only is this an abnormal market because of the mar hamlin situation which i think parallels alex smith coming back from his leg injury when when he made his first start for washington that season he instantly became the favorite so I am very concerned about that, where if Hamlin just plays at all, mm -hmm. it's him. That said, like, normally, like two years ago, for instance, we were talking about Dak and Joe Burrow. Like, those were the two primary competitors in this race. Last year, Geno Smith was an emerging quarterback late, but there wasn't really a quarterback. Quarterbacks actually win this race more often than not, and there's just so many guys that have a path. That said, I think Russ and Tua are in two very interesting positions because their teams could be competitive, too. Yeah, we hit this one last year with Geno Smith, started getting it around 10 to 1, ended up closing as the heavy favorite. Evan, any thoughts on comeback player here? The one that I think, I mean, if two, I know two is one concussion away, but he was playing at like an MVP level yeah. last year before the concussion. Yeah, and I mean, he and he lost nothing. Um, I don't want to say bad things about DeMar Hamlin. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him big time. I bought one of his shirts, you know, like I, I, I wish the absolute best for him. He's not even a projected starter right now. Yeah. Okay. They've got Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde is coming back. So I, I, I saw someone tweet the other day that DeMar Hamlin has already won comeback player of the year. And I was like, 
that, that person kind of doesn't know what they're talking about or hasn't looked into it like whatsoever yeah. because there is definitely a chance that DeMar Hamlin – and they signed Taylor Rapp. So, I mean, if DeMar Hamlin ends up as the Bills' fourth safety and a special teamer, I don't think he's going to win comeback player of the year. Yeah. Yep. And I, I know that people are – there will be some people that vote for him if he just flat out gets on the field, period. Yeah. But if he's not a starter, I mean, you know, it's going to be real hard to justify – a vote for DeMar Hamlin. I just wanted to make the case for Sam Darnold real quick, real similar to the Geno Smith thing, left for dead. And then people are saying, oh, what's Sam Darnold coming back from, sucking? That's exactly what Geno Smith came back from when he won the award, sucking. And Sam Darnold, if he gets the starting job, which I don't think is crazy, Evan and I have talked about this already, he's going to win games. Like Sam Darnold, Nick Mullins was a good distributor for Kyle Shanahan. Sam Darnold is going to win games. And so I think that Sam Darnold, 51 is in play. DeAndre Swift, what's he coming back from? The Lions hating him, but 50 to 1 on DeAndre Swift, likely starting running back in the best uh, offensive line and run game in the NFL. Brees Hall coming back from the ACL is always a story. And Matthew Stafford, I mean, I, I talked about this on Market Monday. Matthew Stafford is one year removed from going to the Super Bowl and throwing for 41 touchdowns and 4,800 yards. And then he has the elbow issue. He sucked last year, gets Cooper Cup back. 30 to one on him, but yeah. And Cooper cup, I think is interesting too. 25 to one. All he has to do is do what he did two years ago and he will win this award coming off of injury. I love that market, man. I God, if I had a live DraftKings account, which unfortunately I don't, but if I did, I would be blasting. I might have to log in as Evan or something like that for, uh, <laughs> for <laughs> to fire the comeback player of the year. All right. That is going to do it for our first look at the awards market. I love talking about this stuff. Maybe we'll do it one more time before the season starts. And then during the season, for you guys who were following last year, we did this show every other week where we talked to Ryan about the awards. And in season, there's stuff that lags. There's huge gaps between books. The portfolio starts now, but it does not stop until literally like week 16. And so I'd encourage people, if you're into this stuff, to track it all year. That's going to do it for this edition ryan tell the people where they can find you and all your work i'm uh i'm at ryan reynolds nfl on twitter do a ton of content on at the 33rd team you know gonna do awards market content here again as well uh i don't own the rexman soccer team though so stop tweeting me about that yes different ryan reynolds an uglier version of ryan reynolds owns the rexman soccer team (laughs) this year and hopefully you can get out of prison soon because it appears (laughs) in the background that you are in there with uh billy walters yes for those of you watching on youtube ryan's background looks like he's about to be executed but okay besides that (laughs) (laughs) follow me follow me on twitter at adam levitan all one word evan is at evan silva all one word for ryan for evan for producer luke i am adam good luck everybody.